What's up, guys, and welcome back to another episode of Not Gonna Lie. I'm your host, Jonathan Terry, and we've got a great one for you today. AJ Vaynerchuk of Vayner Sports comes on. We get a look at quarantine from an agent's perspective. I'm able to talk to him about his entrepreneurial pursuits, his brother Gary V. A really good conversation, really, really cool guy. And, and, and then after that, we go into the NFL. I'm going to be unveiling the first four teams of my 32-team power ranking one week at a time. So we'll get into that bottom four. Uh, but first, here's my interview with AJ Vaynerchuk. All right, we are now joined with the CEO and founder of Vayner Sports, AJ Vaynerchuk. AJ, how you doing? I'm doing well, Jonathan. How about yourself? Doing well. I'm, I'm enjoying uh, you know, this time being able to talk to different people in, in the sports world. Obviously, we're in kind of a weird, you know, tricky time, uh, and, I, and I'm sure it's confusing for a lot of people. Um, but before we get started talking to you about, you know, being a sports agent working in the NFL world, I want to talk MJ Doc a little bit. So have you seen the MJ Doc? Obviously, it's kind of one of the biggest things that, that uh, has been going on in the world, in, in the sports world these past few weeks. Yeah, I mean, so it's funny. I don't love MJ like most people. Um, you know, I grew up a diehard Knicks fan, still am. And, you know, my formative youth, you know, the early 90s, I'm five, six, seven, eight, nine, and he's just ripping the Knicks hearts out, you know, each and every year. And so for me, I don't put Jordan on a pedestal. Um, and so I've not made it appointment viewing like most people have. I've not been, you know, live tweeting it. I, I'll probably watch it eventually. I've watched most of episode one, but I'm, I'm, it's like in the background. I'm not dialed in. I, uh, I just don't love the guy. And so I'm not, you know, it's, it's him. It's Tom Brady. There's only a few guys that I won't dial into a 10 part documentary series on, but you know, if this was magic, LeBron, whatever, I'm, I'm all in, but mm -hmm. just given who it is, I've been behind. Yeah. Well, and I will say being a Knicks fan, you don't want to, Episode the episodes I, yesterday I know, I were, saw some tweets. were, I know. were Charles the, Smith all that were the, yeah, yeah. Th those were the those were the ones if you're gonna avoid any those would be yeah, the ones to avoid that's for sure right um, interesting so yeah that's I mean that's one of the things we've talked about on the podcast here is is like you mentioned people are live tweeting it it almost feels like um, like sports are back in a way just it's because a sport, it's a everybody's yeah, it's a sporting moment it's yeah because there's footage that nobody's ever seen before so there's there's a newness, there's a real time factor to it. And so, yeah, I, I, on the surface, outside of the topic of Michael, it's awesome. And as a mm -hmm. sports fan, like I'm glad it exists and it's awesome. It's fun for me, you know, most of my timeline sports related, it's fun for me to see people enjoying in the moment. It's just not something for me. And so I'm skipping it, but it definitely is filling a void of sport, you know, appointment viewing. I like that they're doing it two episodes a week as opposed to just releasing it all at once. So mm -hmm. it allows people to build up towards something and an appointment viewed it together. Yeah, no, definitely. So transitioning from that, I mentioned you are the CEO of Vayner Sports. You're a certified NFL agent. So, I mean, what has this been like? You know, no, this, is, this is for an agent, especially probably the busiest time. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but th yeah. this off season is when uh, contracts are negotiated uh, NFL draft prospects, you're, you're setting up interviews and, and getting them exposure, but now everyone's forced to stay home. So what is this process like? It's been interesting. I think in particular for an NFL agent, um, in the sense that it's been this dichotomy of business as usual, right? Free agency went on 
as mm-hmm. normal. The NFL draft went on as normal. Nothing was canceled. Nothing was postponed. Nothing was pushed back. But then also everybody's staying home and remote. And there's a lot of aspects of this process that would have been in person that is done over Zoom or, or phone call. And so it's been unique. It's been obviously unlike any other offseason uh, that we've had. And so it's just kind of taking things day by day and week by week. And, you know, it's been fine and it's happened the same way it's always happened. But just like I said, um, less in-person time, um, even for the process, right? One aspect of the pre-draft process for NFL prospects is this notion of a 30 visit where every NFL team has the ability to bring 30 individual players to headquarters and have an intense amount of in-person time. And that didn't exist this year. All those visits were done virtually. And so again, everything happened on schedule, just in a very different format. And, you know, kudos to the NFL in particular for the draft, you know, NFL network, ESPN, the NFL as as a whole, I think there was actually this unintended benefit from the draft where I've had numerous people tell me that they actually enjoyed this draft more than any other draft, because I think it took this big corporate entity and humanized it and made it more intimate where, you know, you saw GMs and head coaches with their little kids and, you know, at their home and it's just more personal and it kind of removed a little bit of the disconnect between the fan and the league and its players and its, and its uh, executives. And I think that actually ended up being a positive. And I think you'll see future drafts be a little bit of a blend between the typical format and this format. And I think it'll end up being a better product because of it. Yeah. I I was hearing a lot of the same thing, just reading articles um, and kind of going in depth into some moments where, you know, teams were trying to organize a trade. Um, I know the Redskins coach Ron Rivera actually gave teams his wife's phone number in case he was (laughs) busy and, you know, couldn't get a hold of them. Um, so it's it's kind of interesting. I mean, I, I think from a technology standpoint, things flowed on the outside pretty well. Yeah, um, I agree. So, but, but, you know, obviously you can always improve. And, and you know, you hear stories about, uh, I think it was the, the Ravens GM, his, his Wi-Fi shut down like five picks before they were about to take their player. And it came back on like two big picks before. So it's just th- those sort of things are just, yeah. you know, fun, fun, little, fun little anecdotes. Yeah. Um, how was your draft night? I mean, where were you, what was, what were you doing? Uh, Kind of what, what was that like for you? It was good. I mean, it was, um, it was a little bit different, you know, being quarantined and everything, but like I said, business as usual. um, And it, it it kind of went as it went. And, you know, there was some, there were some positives, there were some negatives just like any other year, but, you know, for me, it wasn't too dramatically impacted by the quarantine. I think one thing, um, that probably impacted more agents than myself was, and some agents went ahead and did it anyway, which I don't necessarily agree with, but you know, their, their body and their decision, their freedom. But, um, a lot of agents tend to, um, spend draft day with a client or multiple clients. And so you did get to see some of that. Um, Mm. there were a few agents that were actually with their player at, you know, and in their home and, Again, from a health perspective, I'm not sure whether I agree with that or not. I elected not to do that. Um, you know, I just didn't feel comfortable, you know, having a family and, and impacting another individual's family with that, especially me being in New York where, you know, we're a bit at the center of this whole thing. And so mm-hmm. um, that's one area where I think some agents had a very different experience. But for me, this was my first year being certified and having a client in the draft. Um, so I've never had the opportunity of going and, and doing that. And so... 
there's that. Okay. Yeah, no, that's awesome. Uh, the one thing I was going to ask you about, um, and there's kind of an interesting thing that I was reading an article in ESPN a couple of days ago. Um, so there was this big, big bidding war for, for Tommy Stevens, a quarterback um, mm-hmm. at, who had agreed to sign with the Panthers uh, as an undrafted free agent. And the Saints were trying to get him and they couldn't get him. And because he'd already agreed. So they said, you know what, we'll just draft him instead. Yep. Um, so that kind of shined a light on uh, – technically, it's illegal. So I guess teams yes. are not allowed to discuss a dollar Correct. amount with, with, other, with, with the NFL teams, with the agents. Um, so that kind of brings about the question, I feel like for, for guys like Tommy Stevens, I mean, this is perfect. You know, this is a dream scenario. But right. you look at other guys who, have, um, who are going to get drafted but, or are going to get signed as an undrafted free agent but have a lot less leverage. Do you think that the NFL should push to extending the draft to maybe eight or nine, 10 rounds or, yeah. or just leave it how it is? That's a great question. Um, you know, in my opinion, when you look at the UDFA process, it's currently constructed as this wild, wild west situation that, you know, can begin again, no numbers being discussed can begin with conversations in the later portion of the draft. And then once the draft is over, it gets into this crazy, just, chaotic landscape where promises are being made and broken both from the team side and the agent side. And at the end of the day, you're, you have clients and you have players and you have humans that their careers are impacted by decisions that are made and the promises that are made and the promises that are broken. And there are enough players that have a demand that I do think you can justify extending this into eighth and ninth rounds. The other thing that I'll say is um, if you look at the last you know, 15 picks of the seventh round, there are players that made more guaranteed money in UDFA than being a seventh round draft pick. And I think that's mm-hmm. broken. That makes no sense. And there are situations where you would actually prefer a player to go undrafted than get drafted. And I think that that doesn't make sense to me. And so I think that's indicative of the structure being broken. And I do think that um, there should be additional rounds. And I'm not, And that's not to say that I want to make sure I delineate. I'm not saying that the eighth and ninth round should be identical to the first seven and should even be televised, but I think there is a structure that could be put in place that more similarly reflects a draft than the current Wild Wild West chaos. Mm-hmm. No, that makes a lot of sense. I'm glad to get your, your perspective on that, especially as an agent. I mean, I can just imagine, you know, wh- what's going on. Like you said, I, I think Wild Wild West is a great analogy as, as far as just you know, because agents, you know, like yourself are trying to get their clients the best, the best yeah. deal possible. And, and, you know, and in doing that, you know, they may get more guaranteed money, but they also may be, uh, they may have less negotiating table or negotiating power down the line. So it's just a lot of things that, that they have to look out for. Um, as far as the NFL draft process, you've been a part of it for a number of years. You said this year was your first as a certified agent. Do you have a favorite story or favorite stories um, that you like to tell in regard to this this draft process? That's a good question. Let me think through it. Um, I want to give a good answer, so give me a moment to think okay. through it. Um, you know, I think it's not a specific moment, but it kind of just speaks to the process as a whole and it happens every year. I think um, one of my favorite moments, and I'm going to skip the obvious, a player getting drafted and having their dream realized is obviously the best moment, right? Mm-hmm getting the phone call from them or being there with them is the best moment, but along the process, as opposed to the culmination of it. Um, and I guess in a similar vibe and aching to it is when a player finds out that they either made 
you know, one of the all-star games or the combine, right? Because the draft process is a series of steps and a series of milestones, right? And so, mm-hmm. you know, all-star game circuit and then combine pro day, you know, there's these things that you need to accomplish and check, check the box for. And so just that moment of being in a position to let a guy know, Hey, you've made the senior bowl or, Hey, you got your combine invite that uh, that's just fun. And it's just, it's heartwarming and it's exciting. Um, I'll, I'll go back and give you a more specific moment. Um, one of my favorite moments was, um, and in general is kind of, bring our draft class together. Um, so for example, uh, a couple years ago, we had uh, multiple players in the senior bowl and just having them and, you know, instance where their families actually came down and just doing a big family dinner. Um, same thing for the draft, you know, the year Josh Jackson uh, attended the NFL draft, Kyle Allen also attended the NFL draft and Kyle's story, he was actually undrafted but he attended the green room and the draft process for night one as a part of uh, Sam Darnold's uh, friends and family. Okay. And so we had dinner uh, the night before the draft getting started with Josh Jackson and his family, but then also Kyle and his girlfriend summer. Just, I love bringing our guys together. Um, you know, another instance of that is, and you know, we have to wait for this, but I'm really looking forward to, um, we actually had Darnay Holmes drafted to the giants but then we also had Austin Mack and Jaquarius Landry sign as undrafted free agents. And then we already have Leonard Williams as a member of the team. So we have four players that are New York Giants. And I'm looking forward to when everybody's allowed to come back to the Jersey area. I'm local. I'm in New York. Mm-hmm. And so me being able to get those four together uh, is exciting for me. And so that kind of stuff is really fun. Yeah. No, that's awesome. That's cool. So let's talk about how, how Vayner Sports began. Obviously, it's been growing over the last number of years. Um, but but what's the what's the origin story? What's the beginning of, of yeah? Sports? It's a good origin story. Um, so Gary and I grew up diehard Jeff fans, and um, you know one of the things that we did along the way was we kind of defaulted to a standard gift, um, where rather than having to think of you know what are we going to get them the send the art thing are they going to like it or are they not mm-hmm. we just defaulted to getting each other jet jerseys. And, you know, over a period of time, we had a lot of them. And so what it then defaulted to was almost a game within the game of getting a Jets jersey of somebody that is not, you know, the star quarterback, the star defensive player, but more the younger up and coming back end of the roster type. And so uh, for Gary's birthday, his birthday's in November during the season, I got him a Walter Powell jersey. Now at the time, Walter was a fifth wide receiver slash punt returner for the Jets. And so um, I got Gary a Walt jersey, and he went and wore it the following Sunday, you know, two or three days later. And then during that game, somebody snapped a great photo of Gary wearing the jersey, and he posted it on Twitter. And, um, you know, Walter's agents actually reached out to us. Uh, So Brian McLaughlin was a current uh, partner of ours and a certified agent. And then a former partner of ours, Mook Williams, they reached out and said, hey, what are you doing with a Walt jersey? Like, Basically, only Walt's best friends and family have Walt jerseys. Who's this guy with over a million followers on Twitter wearing it, and why is he wearing it? And so uh, we got connected to those guys. They happened to be local. Mook was in Boston. Brian was in the New York area. And just serendipitously, they were saying they were looking for new investors. Would we have interest? And uh, they had a couple players on the roster um, and were in the middle of the draft cycle to get recruits for the following draft. And, you know, we gravitated towards it. They already had Matt Paradis, who we thought was a great young player, one of the best young offensive linemen in the NFL at that time. 
and still one of the best offensive linemen. And so it was this great combination of they were early enough where we could have influence, mm-hmm. um, but far enough where we weren't starting from zero. And so we just got to know those guys and we started off as investors. And then when I left VaynerMedia, the first business I started, um, I was looking for what I wanted to do in the next act of my career. And at that point, I'd already spent some time with, with Brian and Mook and um, decided to increase my role, you know, as opposed to just being an investor, getting in on the day to day. And that's kind of how it all came together with some serendipity. Yeah, no, that's, that's a great story. Honestly, I can imagine uh, Gary wearing just a, a random jersey. That's crazy how yep. it all, you know, just takes one little moment and it just kind of sparks yep. uh, this, exactly. this big thing. That's very cool. Exactly. Um, yeah, so you mentioned you were at VaynerMedia um, and, and, you, and you left to join Vayner Sports. Um, I was also, in reading up, I, I saw that you were diagnosed with Crohn's disease when you were 19. Yep. Um, can you talk to me about how that's affected you, but also how you've turned it into um, a positive strength, something that you, yep. you emphasize? Yeah, so my battle with Crohn's now, you know, nearly 15 years long, and I probably had it even before I was diagnosed. So I've probably been dealing with Crohn's for about 20 years. And for me, there's been a lot of ups and downs with it. I've had surgery relating to it where I've had parts of my intestine removed. Um, I've had multiple visits to the ER. Um, thankfully, since surgery, these last five years have been my best five years. Um, but for me, I needed to find a career that afforded more flexibility than the VaynerMedia um, position as COO did. And so that was a big reason I left. Um, I wanted to find something I was more passionate about in terms of the work. And I needed something that was just far more flexible in terms of my day-to-day life and um, something I was a little bit more in control of. And so um, that's what led to Vayner Sports, and that's what led to my departure of VaynerMedia. And then as far as the positive goes, you know, I think that uh, when I left Vayner, I wrote that article, and I didn't realize how much of an impact that article would have. I wanted to share my story. I wanted to bring more awareness to Crohn's and those who deal with Crohn's, but I still get emails on a semi-regular basis from people that have stumbled upon the article that suffer from Crohn's. And I take phone calls here and there, just walking young people in their careers on how to balance it. And I think as far as some of the blessings that have come out of my battle with Crohn's, one, um, I think without Crohn's, I would have a far different perspective on life. I think it's positively shaped my perspective on life. It's, it's helped me focus on the things that are actually important and allow the things that are less important and more trivial by the wayside. And I, I consider that to be, um, honestly, a massive advantage to my mental health and my, my general lifestyle. And then the other piece is it's, it's led me to participating uh, in a more philanthropic aspect where I'm a member of the Crohn's and Colitis uh, board for the New York area, the largest chapter in the country. And just being able to affect positive change and, and work towards a goal and work towards a cure has been um, a big benefit and something that I, I take um, great pleasure out of. So those, those two things in particular. No, that's awesome. I, I definitely think it's cool. Um, you know, somebody of your, of your notoriety being able to bring awareness to something, you know, so that it's something that's, that's almost bigger than you in a sense. And, and, right. and you can just attribute to um, um, that awareness, which I think is, is just awesome. Uh, so I want to transition a little bit here. Uh, you mentioned your brother, Gary V, obviously uh, a guy who's, who's been all over the entrepreneurship, the, the business world as yourself too, uh, both of you guys as well. Um, but I want to talk to talk to me a little bit about your relationship with him. What is that like? Um, obviously, you guys have have gone into investing in, in business together. So how how has that been uh, working with your yeah, brother? Yeah, I mean, man, I, I, my brother. So we're eleven years apart, 
um, which I think is a big factor. And I think people are always so surprised to hear how close we are given that age gap because it is substantial, right? He went mm. to college, I was seven. And so, you know, he's my brother first and foremost, but then he's also my best friend, my business partner, my mentor, my role model. Like, you know, obviously my dad's my role model as well, but what my dad was doing as far as being a role model and a provider for my family was a lot more behind the scenes for me growing up because he was working, you know, when he was just working so hard. And, and I, obviously I understand it so much more now than I did when I was growing up, but in those formative years, those same years where Michael Jordan was ripping out our heart as Knicks fans, I had this unbelievably close relationship with my brother and I idolized him and I wanted to do what he did. And, and he was awesome enough to be patient and to be wanting to share and to be able to share those experiences and made an investment in me as a, as a friend, brother and business partner, where once I was old enough to get into business, we were ready to roll. And so we're incredibly close. I think probably the thing that I, I take, um, I feel most fortunate for and about is that we do not clash heads in business. Um, we're very different in a lot of ways, but if you really boil down, we're so much more similar than people realize. We're really similar in 95% of everything. It's just this extra 5% that really shapes our personalities and our public um, brand that, that is different. And so I think because we're so similar, but still have that subtle difference, it's allowed us to be so complimentary as partners where we really, I swear, and this sounds like complete nonsense, we don't argue over business. It just doesn't happen. And the thing that ends up really ruining family is something like money, right? And it's just never been a, an, an item for us. And I think we've always been so fair with one another and so respectful for one another that the places where Gary and I clash are, are trivial areas like board games and pickup basketball. And that's where we've had our fights and our only fights. And so, yeah, our relationship is amazing and um, we're, we're just very fortunate. And I think it's just that foundation of being so similar but different enough that allows it to be complimentary as opposed to clashing. Yeah, well, I mean, speaking of that, I don't want to cause any any division between between you and Gary, but came up with a little game. Uh, you know, I, I want to get I want to get to know the the Vaynerchuk brothers, um, but only from AJ's perspective. I mean, obviously, okay. if, if if Gary wants to come on and and share his story, he can. But um, I got this game. It's called Gary V and me or me, Gary V or me. So I'm okay. gonna just go through a couple of different, like maybe hobbies or or just different personality traits or something like that. And I want you to tell me uh, whether that's your, uh, your brother is better or it sounds more like you. Okay. Um, so you mentioned, let's just start off with the two things you mentioned. So who's winning pickup basketball games more? I'm winning pickup basketball. And he okay. would say the same. Okay. Okay. He'll, he'll take a few. Mm -hmm. I would say it's probably 75, 25, um, me, maybe 80, 20, but I, basketball, I would say is the one sport that I'm clearly better in. And he would agree with that. Okay. Okay. And then board games. Who's who's a better board game player? It's a toss up. Okay. It depends on the game. Um, I would say any game that requires persuasion, he probably takes. Um, he's the most persuasive person I know. Um, and then any game that is probably more centered around um, odds and probability and math, I'll take home. Okay, interesting. So Monopoly is is my world, and I'll, mm. I'll take Monopoly. Uh, Settlers of Catan is my world. I'll take that as well. Um, but he'll take things like um, Boulder Dash and, and more, um, you know, uh, maybe Cranium. He's, mm -hmm. better, he's better at trivia and history than I am. Okay. So that, that's another area where like Trivial Pursuit or Cranium or something like that is, is more his wheelhouse. 
okay who's who's a better cook i am okay yeah. do you have a do you have a specialty dish that you make a go-to i would say my favorite dish to make is something skirt steak centered what i like about skirt steak is that uh just the the creativity around the marinade and and just the 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 quick cook of it and finding the right things to pair up with it um so yeah i would say in grilling in general i love and then when you kind of interject sauces and marinades and things like that that's where i you know i would say i'm probably more artsy and crafty like i'm a better uh drawer um and i lean more towards that type of creativity i think gary's more creative but i'm more creative when it comes to you know cooking and arts and crafts and things like that Okay, if you need a good homemade mac and cheese recipe, just let me know. I can I can email it your way after we're done. Got you. Okay, uh, noted. Okay, yeah. Uh, who's more adventurous? Who's more? Yeah. Who's doing? Who's doing crazier stuff? I would say I'm probably. And you notice I hedge a lot of these these things because we yeah, are. So I, I was hoping. I was hoping for more of a more of a divide. You know, it's so, something where you're like, no, I'm putting my foot in the ground, but um, I, so I need a, I need I'm a soundbite. Adventurous from the perspective of. I'm more interested in new experiences. Mm-hmm. Like Gary doesn't care about traveling. He gets to travel the world from speaking and he never, he never takes an extra day or two to enjoy the culture or the area where I would. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I would say he's a bigger risk taker and is more fearless. Okay. Okay. Interesting. So let's see, I'm, I think, yeah, I think I hit all of them. Uh, yeah. I, like I said, Maybe I was hoping- Come up with one more on the spot and I'll try to be more divisive. Okay. On the well, answer. I'll, I'll hedge it less and be more political. Less political, uh, excuse me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Man, I okay, let's see. Who oh, who is who's the more who more who reads more? Sorry, that's what I was trying to say. Neither of us. Neither. Okay. Interesting. <laughs> We're both not big readers. Um I I get I both of us in share this in the sense that like if I'm reading a book, it's too easy for my mind to go elsewhere and to focus on other things. Um, an audio, I probably listen to more audiobooks, and it's still, I'm in the like bottom 10 percentile of consumption of, of books and Gary's in the bottom 1% of consumption. Interesting. So what you're saying is you, he reads the least. So you read just a little bit more than, I mean, a shade. It's not <laughs> much. Well, it's We're okay. Both, and, and it's just like, it's not something I'm proud of. I hope that I'm actually envious. Like one of, uh, Gary and I have a mutual friend. Uh, one of my childhood best friends and now a key executive at Vayner, Marcus Krasastic. And I'm envious of how much he reads and how much he grew up reading. And I'm going to try to instill that in my kids because I think it's a great skill and it's a great, it's also a great hobby. It's just my mind is too active. And I don't think I got the practice as a youth to, to have the patience to sit still and immerse myself in a book. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Well, I was hopeful for a soundbite, but I mean, that's, that's fine. I, I, you know, a way better student. I killed him in school. That's a soundbite. And he knows that and admits that. He, what can I give him credit for, for sure? Um, he's a better salesman. I'll give that to him. He's, I think, the, uh, he's a better public speaker. I think he's the best public speaker in the world. Um, something that I think I'm better at that he would debate more so. I'm a better video game player and always was. Okay. Uh, I think he thinks in his prime he might have been better. Um, but. I'm more naturally gifted at video games than him. Look, AJ, I appreciate you <laughs> trying your best to give me this soundbite. Like, uh, you just from from two business guys, you know, you understand that that how I'm how also the, objectively uh, better looking. He'll give me that too. 
Wow, there it is. We're, we're getting them all out at this point. But yeah, I, I mean, you, you understand how, how the uh, social media works. So I, I appreciate you, you trying to, you trying to you help it. me out there. Uh, you mentioned you are a father. You have a daughter. Um, and a son. I got and a son. Kids. Okay, two kids. Awesome. So how is being a, a business executive, either working in the sports world or the business world, um, what attributes or ideas have you taken from that into your parenting? Yeah, I mean, I think uh, both in parenting and being a sports agent, you need to be nimble. You need to be willing to adjust, uh, react, and move on the fly. You know, it's not none of this is done by the book. The it's it's life, it's human nature, and things shift and evolve. And so, flexibility, being nimble, um, those are all things required. I think um, you know, representing players and athletes is a service-based business, and uh, especially in their early youth. Um, being a parent is a service-based business, right? And so mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, whether it's changing diapers and, you know, these, these little ones, my daughter is almost three and my son just turned one. They very much rely on, uh, on their parents. And obviously for my athletes, they're, they're capable young men and they, they're far more capable than my <laughs> little kids. But at the same token, especially with the kids coming out of school, obviously, you know, they have um, parent, whether they have their parents or parent, uh, parental figures and mentors, there is still this, this whole world of becoming a professional athlete is a new world for them. And so there is a paternal and maternal aspect that's required, I think, of an agent. And so, you know, there's, there's prominent agents that I think take on father figure type roles, and there's prominent agents that are been successful that take maternal mother type roles. And, you know, my role, I'm not trying to be their big brother, um, and then oftentimes they have a big brother, but there is, there are aspects in terms of the specific lane of being a professional athlete that I do take a big type brother type role. And what's fun for me is I'm exactly the age that my brother was when I entered the workforce, right? I'm 33. He was 33 when we started VaynerMedia. And so it's fun for me to kind of give back and reflect on what my brother did for me when I was 22, you know, for me to give back to these guys. Yeah, no, that's awesome. Makes less, it kind of sounds like they both you you gain insight from both sides and, and, and bring it Absolutely. in. All right. Well, we appreciate you coming on. Absolutely. Uh, just got one question here before you go. So go now we've got a lot of time that we're in quarantine. What advice do you have to, to entrepreneurs? And this is nice that I can get you on because I can ask questions that pertain to me as well. Um, sure. But what questions or what advice do you have for, for entrepreneurs that are looking to get into something, whether it's starting a podcast or, uh, starting up their online business or whatever it may be. What, what advice would yeah, you give? I think, so I think the biggest piece of advice I have for anybody starting is um, crawl before you walk, walk before you jog, jog before you run, run before you sprint. I think something that um, is a mistake is we allow ourselves to get excited about a new idea. And something I like to do sometimes is sit on that idea for 24 hours to see if I feel the same way about it as opposed to getting caught up in the moment and then reacting. So allowing things to digest. So call that the crawl before you walk stage, right? Like even before you start getting there, um, allow yourself to kind of dwell on it and, and digest it and feel it and make sure it's something you're passionate about. And then on top of that, rather than going out and spending a ton of money to, to build it or to start it, prove it out, you know, start walking, start doing little things that, allow you to see if you still keep the same energy, see if you get the reaction that you want and things of that nature. And so I'm just a big believer in, in just 
step-by-step progress. Cause what happens so often, somebody says, I want to build a podcast and they go out and build a podcast and maybe they pay a designer to create a logo and this, and by the time they spend a thousand bucks on getting everything set up, they buy a new mic and this and the other thing, they're on to the next thing. Right. And, and the worst thing for me is I'm a big fan of, of not starting something and, and just leaving it die. And that's not to say that you shouldn't test. I think testing is important and trial and error is great, but I think there's just so much wasted time and energy. And so oftentimes I get people asking me for advice on like, Hey, you know, I have an app idea and I'm like, great ideas are a dime a dozen. Like I'll sit down with you and really give you great feedback on your idea. But what I want you to do is I want you to sketch out the idea. I want you to create, and I send them examples. I send them five examples of presentations that are the most bare bones and does not require hiring a designer. You could do it in, in keynote and Google slides using shapes, like use a box and, and text. Like you don't have to, it doesn't have anything to look good. But give me your idea and flesh it out into five to 10 slides and tell me why you think it's a good idea, what market you're fitting and why you think it's going to be successful. Nine times out of 10, I don't even get that simple five page deck back. And selfishly, that saves me the time because I, I, my time is valuable and I don't want to, I'm not going to throw 20 minutes of my time to somebody that doesn't even have the, the, the work ethic or the self-startedness to put together a five page deck with some squares and circles and text. Yeah, no, definitely. That makes a lot of sense. I really like the point that you that you mentioned where you're just talking about building it out. I mean, this is awful to do on a podcast, um, but I'm because I'm, I'm showing you something. But this this is my first my first mic I bought when I for from Christmas money a year and a half ago. Uh, so and it's just you know I've been doing it ever since, enjoying it. So Good. it's a lot of fun. But uh, yeah, really appreciate you coming on. Thank you so much for taking the time. Absolutely. Uh, we'll definitely have to have you on in the future. I think uh, cool. you know having your insight as an agent really gives us a look into. Um, the sports world just from a, a new perspective. Um, awesome. So well, appreciate thanks, it. I had a great time, man. I appreciate the chat. I thought you had some great questions and I appreciate it. So as I was going through the list of kind of how the show was going to break down over the next, I don't know, four months um, before the hopeful NFL season starts, I was, I was laying in bed last night and I realized it was just so perfect. So basically how it's going to look as far as NFL content, and, and we'll talk about things as they happen too, but uh, over the next four months, we've got stuff covered. So we're going to be breaking down my power rankings four at a time. Um, so that'll take two months. And then after that, we're going to be breaking down, uh, you know, the schedule will be released. And we'll be breaking down division by division based on the number of projected wins. So I'll still have the full projection, but instead of one massive two-hour podcast, uh, it'll be broken down over over two months. And then we'll still have our, our recap and, and talk about, you know, projection for who we think is going to go to the Super Bowl, but it'll be broken down in a much easier to digest format, something you won't have to do all in one sitting. Uh, and and hopefully that works better. I think it will. Um, and then we'll obviously have one big preview where we talk about awards and, and playoffs and all that sort of thing. But without further ado, let's jump into it. And number 32 on our power rankings list is the Jacksonville Jaguars. So first off, started six and 10 last year or finished the season six and 10. Uh, not the best record, but that's not the reason exactly why they're there. Let's take a look at their draft. Uh, first three picks, two of them I like, one of them most people know how I feel about. Uh, C.J. Henderson, Clavon Chason, and LaVisca Chenault Jr. Uh, if LaVisca can stay healthy, that combination of D.D. Westbrook, D.J. Chark, and LaVisca could be, I mean, not one of the best, but pretty good, above average, I think, with what they're able to do. And obviously, D.D. Westbrook was a little bit of a disappointment last year. So if he can kind of turn around the clock and and get to that 1,000 yards, that's just going to open things up for the rest of the offense for sure. Um, Clavon Chason, 
could be the guy that replaces Yannick Ngakwe, who's who's kind of halfway out the door, really pushing for a trade. Um, and, and that's a solid piece. C.J. Henderson, he's not going to be the next Jalen Ramsey like they think he will, but he still could be pretty good. Just not, you know, what you expect out of a guy picked ninth overall. Uh, right now on the trade block, I mentioned Yannick Ngakwe. Leonard Fournette, they declined his option, so you have to assume he's going to be traded sometime soon. There were rumors he would be moved during the draft. Didn't really happen. Um, and as far as guys that have been traded, obviously Jalen Ramsey's gone. Calais Campbell got moved to the Ravens for what everyone thought was a pretty cheap deal. Uh, and, and, and you know, there's probably going to be more out the door. In, the free, in free agency, they signed Tyler Eifert, Joe Schobert. Two solid pieces, I think, that really helps the offense, getting a guy like Tyler Eifert if he can stay healthy. And Joe Schobert was one of the best uh, defensive players on the Browns. So two solid pieces. Um, reason for optimism, they've got Gardner Minshew. I mean, he's one of the most exciting young quarterbacks in the league. Uh, you know, he's, he's hit or miss at times, but you look at his overall body of work and there has to be reason for excitement if you're a Jacksonville Jaguars fan and you've got a guy like him. Because even if you're 3-12, and 12, he's going to be giving his all and, and working hard. Uh, I, I don't know if there is a, 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 a person that, that's a big a fan of Gardner Minshew as I am. I think a lot of people love Minshew mania, but... I mean, being from from Washington, watching him play at Washington State, his senior, his senior, or I guess it was graduate transfer year. Um, you know, you, you got to see what he was really about, and watching him play at the NFL level is is definitely a cool thing. Um, but why they're number thirty two is no one wants to play there. I mean, if you think of a team that is trending in a worse direction, let me know. But as far as I'm concerned, it's the Jacksonville Jaguars, unfortunately, and they they've made some movements to clean it up, but. When you, the owner's son is clashing with the team star defensive player uh, on Twitter, you know it's going to be bad. I mean, you know that can't be a positive outcome from that situation. So, a lot of things to clean up, not just on, not just from a skill perspective, but from a, a locker room and, and from an ownership standpoint. I mean, from the top down, this is, you know, we're gearing up for a really tough year. Um, but luckily, Gardner Minshew's got weapons and he's creative enough. I think he, he'll wow us a little bit. He'll make some really solid plays, but I mean, at the end of the day, if they're one and fifteen or two and fourteen, I'm not going to be that surprised. And next up at number thirty-one, we've got the Detroit Lions. So looking at their outlook last season, not the best. Finished three twelve and one. Um, you know that one tie coming to the Cardinals early on in the season. Uh, they were busy in the in the off season. They traded away Darius Slay. Um, they signed Chase Daniel, Jamie Collins, Danny Shelton. Desmond Trufant, you know, always have to add a Patriot guy in there if you're Matt Patricia, for sure. Uh, in the draft, they took Jeff Okuda, which I thought was a great move. DeAndre Swift, arguably the best running back in the draft. And then Julian Okwara with their first three picks, a guy who a lot of people are excited about. I haven't watched a ton of tape on him, but, uh, you know, he's making his way into that, that sleeper list and, and a, a good value for sure at that spot for them. Uh, they lost Damon Harrison, a.k.a. Snacks, in the offseason. Probably their most notable loss, um, probably just a salary cap standpoint, getting a little bit older. But optimism for, for 2021, uh, they've got a top 10 offense when healthy. You look at, at, at Marvin Jones and Matt Stafford and, and TJ Hawkinson, DeAndre Swift. I mean, that's a, that's a really good group. That's a solid uh, combination of players. Uh, and, and if they stay healthy, then, then they can reach a lot of potential and maybe win, you know, six, seven, eight games. But the reason they're at number 31 is because they're never healthy. They're always getting injured. Something's going wrong. Uh, and, you know, they signed Chase Daniel for whatever reason. 
what's going to happen to Matthew Stafford? I mean, are we going to be in a situation next year where the Lions have another top three pick and they say, you know what, maybe it's time to move on? I think that's a very real possibility. Uh, Matt Stafford's put up big numbers, but unfortunately, when it's counted, uh, you know, he, he struggled to come through. So, yeah, I, I wish the Lions, you know, had gotten a better uh, a, a better roll of dice. And honestly, Matt Patricia's probably out his, on his way out the door. I mean, this is a playoff or bust year for them. And unfortunately, they're not anywhere close to the playoffs. Coming in at number 30, we have the Cincinnati Bengals. Obviously had the number one pick over this past season. So, I mean, a good thing and a bad thing, yes. A uh, lot of optimism here in Cincinnati, drafting Joe Burrow. Uh, and then following it up with what I thought was a really solid class. You get a, a big target in T. Higgins, who Graham last week compared him to A.J. Green, a guy they've got on the roster right now. Uh, and then a linebacker, Logan Wilson, who people are in love with. I think this may be uh, everyone's favorite third-round pick as far as value goes and, and efficiency. So from a draft standpoint, those top three rounds, really solid pieces, guys who are probably going to start right away. Um, they signed their big spenders in free agency, signing DJ Reader, Trey Waynes, and Von Bell, which is very uncharacteristic for them, something that you, you wouldn't have expected. And then, you know, obviously that you heard that Tyler Eifert signed with the Jaguars just a couple minutes ago here. And then Andy Dalton was released earlier this past week, I believe, um, and kind of clearing space. So now it's it's Joe Burrow's locker room. Uh, Ryan Finley's going to be his backup, and, and they're going to go from there. It'll be interesting to see how this whole process works. I mean, nothing gets a fan base more excited than a new quarterback, and especially a quarterback who is very highly rated and sought after by a lot of teams. Uh, so their reason for optimism here at number 30 is they've got Joe Burrow and they've got a guy in Zach Taylor who is Sean McVay's quarterback coach. Uh, you know, we're not at the point yet where Sean McVay has been totally disavowed as a good uh, a good coach and therefore his coaching tree is good as well. Uh, so so we're at this point where right now there's a lot of uh, a lot of hype in Zach Taylor and what he's able to do. If he can develop Joe Burrow, hopefully get AJ Green to come back um, and and play with T Higgins, John Ross, uh, just Alex Erickson, the guys they've got there, Joe Mixon, that's a solid group. I think that's a really good group of offensive talent, defensive talent they've addressed. But at the end of the day, the reason why they're number 30 is they've got a lot of holes. I would have liked to see them be more proactive in, in filling out their offensive line. They signed one guard uh, earlier or during this offseason. So at this point, you know, you're putting Joe Burrow into a situation that's going to be really tough. He's going to take a lot of hits in his first year. And it doesn't matter how open his receivers are if he can't have ample time to throw the ball, he's going to be in trouble. So unfortunately, just too many holes for the Bengals. You know, they may not be picking first in the draft this this coming year, but they're probably going to be pretty close to it. I think it's it's rare when you find a quarterback who can truly turn around a team from the first his first snaps. I mean, RG3, he was he was one of those guys took the Redskins to the playoffs his first year. Andrew Luck was another one of those guys that right away uh he was the key to their success. Both of those guys um, and, and unfortunately, I don't see anyone in this draft class being that way. So we've got the Cincinnati Bengals here at number 30. And finally, our fourth team that will be unveiled today at number 29 is the New York Jets. So this offseason, they were busy, relatively busy from an offensive line standpoint, signing three guys, George Fant, Connor McGovern, and Greg Van Roten to $9 million plus deals uh, over the length of, of, of the, the deal. Obviously, you know, that, that's not going to be a long-term answer for them. They're looking to get 
tackles and guards in the draft, but I don't hate the idea of going out and, and being aggressive and hoping that you can get some suitable play uh, in the meantime because that offensive line is atrocious. They also signed Brashad Perryman. They signed Pierre Desir, um, and they lost Robbie Anderson, which was a big a big loss for them. Uh, Would have liked to see him get signed and brought back because you know the, the Jets were going into the draft lacking a true number one receiver, and they left the draft uh, without a true number one receiver. So they drafted Mekhi Becton, which filled a huge need uh, from the left tackle standpoint. They signed Denzel Mims, who was great value at the back end of the second round, a big body target, uh, a guy that a lot of people are saying could be this year's uh, DK Metcalf. I think with with what his intangibles are, his size, his speed, uh, you gotta you gotta think they're right. And if they if the Jets can use him well, he'll be very successful, and, and they can find a nice spot uh, for him in between in between uh, Jamison Crowder and Brashad Perryman. And then third, they got Ashton Davis, a very athletic safety uh, out of California. I thought that was another great move too. Three really good picks, but they've got a long way to go. A lot of holes. Uh, is is Le'Veon Bell going to be the future at the running back position? Is Sam Darnold the future at the quarterback position? I mean, we haven't really seen him get a fair shake as far as a, a well-built team around him uh, and a full healthy season. So that'll be something that's interesting to look out for. Um, reason for optimism, Joe Douglas, their GM. I think he's very smart. He knows what he's doing. Uh, he's got the best interest uh, for the team in mind, and he knows how to build a team. So that's really good, and they signed him to a long enough extension or a long enough deal that, that he'll be able to get it done. Uh, but at the same time, the reason why they're 29 is that Rome wasn't built in a day. Joe Douglas inherited a bad team, and unfortunately, it's not super easy with this many holes to, to just turn it around and go to the playoffs in year one. So Joe Douglas has his, his work cut out for him. Uh, I think he's hoping for a new coach next season. Uh, and, and he may get it if the Jets finish you know, fourth worst in the NFL uh, this upcoming season, which I think they've got a really good chance to do. And that's going to do it for the first four teams in my power rankings. Check back next week. We'll unveil four every week for the next two months, and then we'll get into divisions and break down win records. I mean, th- I think this is going to be a lot more effective way of, of putting this sort of thing out. But before we go, one interesting piece of news. I think I was reading this morning, the South Korean Baseball League is opening up now, and ESPN is airing baseball for six days straight. So there may be a really good chance that you know South Korean baseball and baseball in general sees some of its biggest numbers uh, ever at this point, just because fans are so ready for sports. And, I mean, huge shout-out to South Korea, the way that they were able to get a lot of tests ready to go and kept the numbers relatively small. I, I think it was great the way they handled it. And and now they're, I mean, they're being rewarded and we're being rewarded with pro sports. So hopefully they are able to to uh, keep everything okay and, and test players and, and keep things safe so they can keep the league going. But that's going to do it for this week's episode. Thank you so much, guys, for listening. I really appreciate you taking the time to tune in. While I've got you... Feel free to hop on over to Apple Podcasts, leave us a five-star review, maybe a rating. Do you want to hear something else? You know, add it in there. Let us know how we can do better. Check us out on Instagram at Podcast or on Twitter at PodcastNGL. We'd love to hear from you. Thank you guys so much for listening, and we'll see you next week.